0: Hello, I'm Rebecca Castellino, and this is Hopping the Fence, a podcast dedicated to talking to artists on the fringes of the Canadian art scene. Maria Simmons is a hybrid artist from Hamilton, Ontario. She investigates potentialized environments through the creation of multidisciplinary sculpture and installation. Her work embraces contamination as an act of collaboration. She holds an MFA from the University of Waterloo and a BFA from McMaster University. She has recently exhibited at x The Plum, Platform, Ed Video Media Art Centre, and the Hamilton Artists, Inc. Our conversation was recorded in Oranwakan, or so-called Hamilton, Ontario, within Treaty 3 territory on the land of the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe. Welcome to this bonus episode of the podcast. Today's episode features an ambient recording of Maria's 2021 installation of her work, Rat, Plastic, Wood. Enjoy!
1: Maria. Hi.
0: How's it going?
1: Good.
0: Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, where we are in person together?
1: Yeah (laughs) so uh, we're in a building that was built in 1860. Uh, Yeah so it's like it's on the same property as as like an actual church so there's like a church sanctuary and everything and then the building that we're in is more of like a community center that is connected to the other building by an underground tunnel. What? Yes.
0: Can I see the tunnel? Like- <laughs> you know, of course you can. <laughs> yeah, so this recording's a bit echoey. It's because we're in full church vibes. How
1: did you come to install your work in this space? So I actually grew up attending this church. So I went here like pretty consistently until about a decade ago when I stopped coming. Um, but my family still has connections here, so I was able to to kind of call in those connections uh, about a year ago when the pandemic first hit. I didn't have access to, like, traditional studio spaces anymore. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, when that happened and I didn't have access to my current studio, um, I started working in this building because... Obviously, no no churches were meeting during the the early months of the pandemic, so I basically had this building more or less to myself.
0: Yeah, and I, I feel like space is so important for like installation and sculpture artists, but like especially with your practice. How was it installing in like this space versus like your formal thesis, which was in the University of Waterloo Art Gallery
1: yeah, it was it was very different for like a couple of different reasons yeah just basically installing it on my own within this space was it was incredibly <laughs> difficult as opposed to um, with like you know hired help of people who are actually like art handlers and installers instead, without any sort of infrastructure it it was like you know me and my my family but uh but yeah, being able to install it within this space. They're, I guess we're just different parameters, but a lot looser parameters. Mm-hmm. So more or less, I was kind of allowed to do whatever I wanted to do within this basement space. Yeah. Um, so that was really quite freeing was like to be able to, I guess, also kind of self-curate as mm. well, like deciding exactly where I wanted everything to be placed without any sort of exterior input, mm-hmm. which is both which is both very freeing, but also, Mm -hmm. like, there's no um, feedback. Yeah. So going into it, it was like, well, I don't – is this better? I don't know. (laughs) It wasn't until, like, a week into the show that I was like, oh, yeah, this is good. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And the basement
0: itself is such, like, a weird space. Was it all, like, dirt floor when you first
1: moved in there, too? Yeah, so it was dirt floor up until about eight years ago oh. um, when there used to be a wooden floor that was there. And it wasn't, like, it still wasn't, like, a functioning gymnasium at that point. I think mm-hmm. it hasn't been a functioning gym for about, like, 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, kind of with with the dirt floor being there, it meant that I didn't have to haul in yeah. nearly as much dirt <laughs> as I did for the first exhibition. And instead of having, like, yeah, in, like, a traditional gallery space, I don't know, the the area just kind of, like, fades into the background mm. and, like, there's very clearly, like, a piece and, like, this is, like, this is the show and then everything else, you know, you kind of have to, like, treat as white noise that mm-hmm, you're, mm-hmm. it's not actually adding to anything. Yeah. Uh, whereas in this show, it, like, everything is kind of a part of it and nobody's quite sure like did you add this like is this like is this your hole was this hole here are these your creepy death basketball nets (laughs) did you install them
0: (laughs) um that's so funny yeah like this definitely feels like a like a wholesale installation it really reminds me of like fast worms work i don't know if you like follow them oh i know some of their stuff but i feel like i don't they really know like, what
1: would relate the most to this. <laughs> so I'm thinking of the
0: barber shop, like really taking over the space. So like putting like hairstyles on like all the mirrors and like cutouts and having like everything crocheted, everything covered in something crocheted, like really right. taking it over. But I I feel like the lights really take over this space. Yeah. Like as much as part of me did think that you brought in a lot of sand and made the floor look like that. Like, I kind of knew, like, this is the dirt floor. But the lights really, like, made everything. It literally covers everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, the light, like, illuminates the whole space. But then, like, one of the things that I found really nice with the lights is that certain, um, like, minerals or things within the space will, Mm. like, glow more than others. So Mm. it kind of draws attention to different things that were already there. Like, the little piles of, like, terracotta brick Mm. just kind of, like, really glow along one side.
0: Weird. So can we talk about the spider that you found? Yeah. Because it is huge and scary. (laughs) And it is
1: part of the space too. (laughs) Yeah, and there's now two of them. Oh there's
0: two of them. There's two two of them.
1: (laughs) So there's these like giant bright red spiders called woodlouse hunter spiders. And they've crawled into like the water of one of the vessels and met their demise. <laughs> they're now dad but they're just they're huge. And it's weird because I haven't seen any wood louses. Mm. So wood can lice? one see wood lice? I think so they're like the, they're um I think the same as potato bugs. Oh, okay. okay. But yeah, that's
0: definitely like bugs are like a thing that would not exist in a gallery space, like, I remember doing a residency, and you have to, like, wrap all the organic material that you bring in for, like, what is it, like, 48 hours or something silly? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah for uh, for most spaces with, I think it's a type 2 gallery, type 1 gallery, one of those ones. Can't There's, remember. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was in the other space, there were certain, mm-hmm. uh, like, the University of Waterloo gallery, um, there were certain kind of, like, restrictions on what direction i could take the work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i was allowed to have um potting soil in there mm-hmm. and like s- like certain plants but it just like there was this fine line because they don't they have like a very small collection so it was yeah. like, a huge concern but they didn't want it to become too much mm-hmm. so i kept it like pretty toned down yeah. um, whereas in this version there's so many plants, like there's so much water, like little cabbages.
0: everywhere. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> just everything. But, um, surprisingly, I feel like there were just as many bugs Interesting. In, at Waterloo. <laughs> there are a lot of earwigs. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the
0: plants that you have? Cause are these the same plants that you had at Waterloo as well? Some of them. Yeah.
1: So, uh, All the plants that were originally in the exhibition at Waterloo, um, I cared for uh, for about two months before installing them here. Mm -hmm. And so uh, all the carnivorous plants in the show are from the original exhibition. Mm -hmm. And then there's, yeah, new ones that have been brought in from like my friend's garden. She grew some plants for me so that I could, uh, yeah, so I could take them in here. And then and then, yeah, there's some, there's some fresh faces.
0: Yeah. So and like, just to give listeners like a bit of context, like those purpley, I always call them the bisexual plant lights. <laughs> yes.
1: I, I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah. Like I was like, this is, this is
0: literally my show. I know. <laughs> um, so like using those, uh, do you know like the technical stuff behind like why those lights like work on plants or? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um. Like, I'm forgetting which one corresponds to which, but the the red light um, like encourages like them to like fruit and flower whereas mm-hmm. like the blue light will encourage them to grow stronger so like there's different like the different wavelengths of mm-hmm. light will actually like like or it'll nurture different things within the plants cool, so kind of having a balance of those two is mm-hmm. really healthy um and then there's also some uh, like, full-spectrum white light, light to kind of balance things off. Yeah, I so. yeah. I think it gives,
0: like, a very eerie kind of feel to the installation. Like, I was talking about Blade Runner, and I can't remember what other, like, horror sci-fi yeah. movie. Because, um, like, those colors are just so prominent. How do you feel? Does it, like, change the exhibition? Because they're, like, colored lights? Was that, like, intentional or...?
1: Um, I mean... And the, like the lights are intentional in that they they are kind of required for yes. <laughs> <Lights>. <laughs> for life. <laughs> um, but like technically, there are grow lights that are that are just basically like white full spectrum lights. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So you like leaned so, into the yeah. The color lights? So and it's nice. still
1: like it is an aesthetic choice, but it's also a requirement. But yeah, I just find like the yeah the blue blue and and red wavelengths to to aesthetically be like much more warm, but mm. also also kind of off-putting at the same time. And who doesn't love bisexual lighting? Really? <laughs> who doesn't love
0: bisexual lighting? Yeah, I think like
1: as people are like locked down and
0: also is like marijuana, I hate that I just said marijuana. <laughs> it's like the most racist cannabis word known to mankind and like now that cannabis is legal people are like growing a whole bunch of weed at home and like they all have these grow lights like as i'm walking around i notice people have like that kind of purpley hue in their windows yeah. and i know they're plant people yeah exactly <laughs> you see that here it's they're plant
1: people 100 percent
0: Um, And to talk a bit about plants in, like, a different direction, do you want to talk a bit about, like, fermentation and how that has worked into the show and, like, your
1: practice in general? Yeah. So, um, yeah, within the show, like, the the plants and the fermentation um, very much kind of go hand-in-hand as part of, like, an ongoing cycle. So um, with a lot of the plants in the show, not the carnivorous plants, uh, they're edible. Mm. So... um, one of the things that I try to think about in my work is kind of uh yeah like the not exactly the longevity of things in a sense but like how like how can I treat these plants and these like non-human thing like beings with like a decent amount of like respect and I think Mm -hmm. that um by kind of having a, a thorough plan For how everything's going to happen is like a way of of doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, So the fermentation plays into it because at the end of this exhibit, I can take a lot of the plants and then um, preserve them, like make sauerkraut, pickle things. And then, so that process is kind of at the end, but then it also starts it kind of with the beginning because in the exhibition, there's various things that are fermenting like live in front of you uh, that have just been picked from outside at during various seasons so cool yeah and i think like i also want to experiment with making like uh fermentations that are good for soil and nutrients mm, yeah
0: yeah that's so key like as a houseplant person like i keep being like why are my plants dying? like maybe because they're in this old ass
1: soil yeah <laughs> totally oops yeah and instead of using like you know, the, I can't remember the name of, like, miracle Grow. Yeah, Yeah. there we go. Yeah, instead of using, like, miracle Grow, it's like, okay, could I create some sort of, like, nutrient-rich thing Mm. from fermentation? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I know, um, I'm, like, a big nerd, so, like, one of the podcasts I listened to talked about, like, peat moss and how that's, like, such an important um, carbon capture, Mm -hmm. like, especially in the UK. So now I'm, like, I can't Unethically buy peat moss, so I'm very interested in like some homemade solutions to that. Yeah, yeah. definitely.
1: Cool. Yeah, there's actually I do have uh, some peat moss in the show. That <laughs> no, it was like it's like old peat moss. Like I found it um, at like 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 Habitat for Humanity. Like oh, cool. one of these spots where it just like sells yeah. random things that they have surpluses of. Uh, so I have like a bunch of peat moss. So I'm like, I gotta. So good for plants. Yeah, and like also like I feel like it, it's yeah because it's so contentious. Yeah. I just find it a, an interesting material to use on like, like within a sense of like also having it be like this weird surplus thing.
0: Mm, yeah. So
1: I mean, I guess is there any ethical consumption under capitalism? I know, but also, it's I like know. if it's gonna be, I guess it's like at a reuse center. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think like artistic practice like is
0: very should be maybe that's a i guess a big statement but like we have a bit of a responsibility to have a bit more like ethically yeah. sourced things like we aren't churning out like a thousand versions of these things like we can have some agency in like buying materials and like making sure that everything is okay and, like people are fairly paid and etc
1: mm-hmm. yeah for sure
0: when did you start fermenting things was this like pre you
1: using it as like an artistic practice yeah yeah um yeah i i made my like first wine about oh gosh maybe like four years ago now cool um yeah so i've been making wine for a while and then uh yeah make last year i made or helped make uh so many uh, like sauerkrauts and kimchis <laughs> people
0: loved it yeah. the covid panic round kimchi <laughs> yes so
1: that kind of like yeah doing that um with like my good friends really just kind of like brought fermentation back to like like the, the forefront of my mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so probably definitely played a, a role in like in this work and bringing it into my art practice again, yeah, yeah.
0: so who taught you how to ferment in the first place?
1: Ah uh, so one of my one of my good friends, uh, um, Trish Cook and I we used to Uh, ferment things together um and just kind of like she really got me into like how to like ethically forage things Mm. um so we've been doing that together for like oh gosh like maybe six years now awesome yeah so um that was like my first foray into fermentation myself like it's there's a long line of of fermenters (laughs) fermenters <laughs> on, on yes. my mother's side. So oh, um, that's lovely. Yeah. So half my family is uh is Mennonite. Mm-hmm. Um so there's a lot of different like fermentation heritage there. Um so it's definitely my family line. But um yeah and then this past year, um yeah just fermenting with with more good friends of mine. Um, yeah Jacob and Julie uh, they also have an art practice, and they're, and they're lovely humans who are very supportive.
0: Do they incorporate, like, fermentation into their art practices, they, too?
1: I, they, I don't know if they've incorporated fermentation yet, but they have incorporated food. Mm. So, yeah, both of us work with, with food in our art practices. Cool. Yeah. Very cool.
0: Yeah, and like your support networks are like super key. And you were talking about like the difference between like installing here versus in the gallery. Do you feel like there's different support networks in like the DIY kind of space? Like people who you can text to be like, come install in this creepy basement versus like people you can text to be like, come install in this gallery? Or is it the same kind of circle you're drawing from?
1: I mean, it's a, It's definitely a different circle that I ended up drawing. From <laughs> like I don't know if it would be the same in, in every situation. Yeah. But for this context, yeah, I really relied on my on my family a lot. So I had like my my twenty something year old cousins like come in and, and help me because I don't know. It just it made sense in this context too of like. Because I grew up going to this church with them also as, like, a family. Yeah, yeah. So they were familiar with the space. And then so having them come in and help me set it up was somehow
0: fitting. Yeah, well, they're, like, the art handlers of the church, you know? Like, they know where (laughs) everything is. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Um, Yeah, so – but I think, like, I I could have asked, you know, any number of people to help me out. Uh, Everybody, like, within – Doing a DIY show too has been incredibly supportive. Like, awesome. yeah. So, Pleasure Dome gave me a really good deal on a projector for this, and so there's just been a lot of people that have, people and organizations that have supported me. Yeah, yeah.
0: And these are people that have known you like before, or like you met during your undergrad, or no,
1: some of them not even. Some of them I've never met. Like, I just oh. put out like calls on on Instagram for things, and and people just. I think really just wanted to see the show happen and yeah. like have it be something in person They're mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, this, this human's been working on this for so long. Like how, how can we help this to happen? Which was just so sweet. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: That's how I found my space to do my thesis as well. Just a call out on Instagram. So yeah. that's so, I feel like Instagram's such a big part of like community making and like it got way more important, um, during, like, the pandemic, and, like, yesterday, Instagram went down, and everybody, like, freaked the fuck out.
1: <laughs> it's so funny. I didn't realize that everybody was freaking out as much as they were. I was, like, su- super chill. I was, like, oh, well, this is, like, kind of inconvenient. Like, I was trying to actively bitch and post. I was, like, mid-rant when it crashed,
0: so that's the only reason that I noticed, and then my rants, like, uploaded when the, the problem had already solved itself, so it was really awkward. I had to, like, go back, like, delete it, like, two hours later, but yeah, no, I was busy that day, too. Oh my gosh,
1: that's so funny. <laughs> um,
0: do you feel like you're, because you grew up here and, like, you went to McMaster that you have, like, connections in a community in Hamilton that, like, you're drawing from or? Yeah,
1: um, I feel like, like, I did go to McMaster and that's, like, all fine and well and good and that is what it is, um, but, like, the community that I have here was mainly formed through, like being part of mm-hmm. uh, the Hamilton audiovisual node, so oh. Haven. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So the I think that was really the thing that that created a really supportive system here.
0: That's what everybody says. And like I moved here as like the month Haven shut down. I think like yeah, I really missed the boat.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still we're still a thing. It's like, still a thing. It's still a thing. We just don't have a space that's physical, yeah. But also, like in a pandemic, it's like it's kind of not. It hasn't been a thing for a little bit. But like, I'm not willing to say it's not even a thing anymore.
0: <laughs> Are you like a founding? I don't know much not, about
1: it. Yeah, so I'm not a founding member. Um, that's that's a whole other group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I came along, that, like. Mm, definitely partway through its history so in like i joined in 2017 okay yeah and then i think it had been already running for like three years before that Mm -hmm. i want to say cool yeah maybe more
0: do you feel like you've been in mostly like artist-run spaces and like diy spaces like churches or like you've had a lot of gallery experience
1: no mainly mainly diy spaces um yeah because of the nature of my work yeah uh yeah it's just it's it's really it's a tougher thing to show within institutions, partly because because of the permanent collections and having living work but um yeah it's there are complicated installs, like getting the work there is mm-hmm. really like. Is is really difficult getting it um, through the
0: door? Exactly,
1: <laughs> like there's all these barriers to like this like, kind of weird work being shown. Yeah, um, which is really too bad because I think I like I I think this sort of work is exciting and I'd love to see more of it. Yeah, um, like on yeah within institutions within larger scales. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but for now it seems like it's mainly. Yeah, a lot of, like, the labor for doing it falls onto the artist mm-hmm. if you're going to do this sort of thing, which makes it definitely, like, a, very much, like, a labor of love. Yeah. Because um, you have to, yeah, you have to find, be resourceful in finding spots to store things. And, <laughs> and you have to, like, yeah, for the show, yeah, like, I carried in, like, for the show and the previous one altogether mm-hmm. it would be I carried about, like, 4,000 pounds of soil myself, and you know, like on so a silly. trolley, did you have like a red wagon, like walking around? Uh, I had a trolley for some of it, but not all of it. Oh, like, no, a lot of it was just me like carrying it in in like 40 pound bags at a time. You should have recorded it. I feel like
0: that's a performance for your installation, <laughs> you know?
1: I think so. Like
0: Sisyphus take... with like the dirt.
1: Yeah, because I, cause I carried it like multiple trips from Home Depot to the gallery. And then from the gallery into another room once the exhibition was done. And then from that room into a truck. And then from the truck into the basement here. Yeah. It was just like all, oh, like, oh, like <laughs> 2,000 pounds of soil, like 2,000 to 4,000, yeah. like every single time for all of that. But it I think it so also much.
0: speaks to you, like reusing the materials. Like even, um, I feel like you're making like wall studs. How do you describe like the wooden installation?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's pretty much it's it's a very similar method to building walls. Yeah, like, yeah. Like uh as far as properly building walls, like in a building, like <laughs> they're a bit for yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> The the supports aren't as close together as they should be. But you know, it's it's just holding plastic.
0: But it looks it looks like it. Like yeah. I grew up around a lot of renovations. I don't know why. I know a lot about drywall. Okay. Um so I saw it and I was like, Oh, this look looks up to code. Like I'm yeah, I'm not thinking that it actually would be, but it, it did look it looked like a construction site. Like and the, I think the plastic also really referenced that too. Yeah. Um how did you learn how to do that or
1: did you like google like how to build wall? Like do you have a background in like installing like that? No, I don't. I don't really, but that was the look that I wanted to go for. Mm-hmm. Um and then and then yeah, that was that was just kind of what ended up working out. Like I built a a work table um before starting this project. Mm-hmm. And so I built the the work table the same way you would build a wall. Interesting. Uh, cuz I wanted to be like really like secure. Um And then that exact same method just ended up transferring over to this. Yeah. And you – so you brought the
0: soil over. You, like, reused the plants. I'm just thinking about, like, large-scale gallery shows. I know – this is insider secret – I know that they buy stuff off Amazon, like, every single time and then Mm -hmm. just end up throwing everything out. Um, So it's interesting that you, like, brought it with you. Do you feel like it has – um, pedigree now, you know, it's like <laughs> this is shown here, and like this is shown here. Is that like important to you, or it's very much just like um, an ethical thing?
1: Uh, I mean, it's more, it's more so an ethical thing. Um, but I do also like that, as you know, this continues to be shown in, in different places. If it does ever get shown in another place <laughs> past this, you know, it'll it'll carry this history with it, as opposed to being like. A brand new thing every time yeah. um, but primarily it was like an ethical concern because I, I just don't yeah I, I really don't like the amount of waste that's produced within doing exhibitions mm-hmm. and and so the idea of it just being like a one-off and then rebuilding it for the next one from scratch just doesn't quite sit right with me yeah So yeah so as much as I can I try and like do justice to the materials that are used and have them yeah, like even within my, my art practice as a whole, mm-hmm. like I tend to um, reuse materials um, from past projects um, and then include them into new ones, kind of like, yeah, letting them kind of metabolize into new and, and different things. That's so funny that you say metabolize and
0: use fermentation. I'm just <laughs> thinking about like yeast eaten things. Oh, so. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like fermentation has like a metaphor in your practice? Then are you using it as like a conceptual backing, or yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. So um, yeah, within the work, uh, like there's a large focus on on metabolism um, mm-hmm. as a like in its different forms, like um, thinking about consumption in terms of like heterotrophic life, which is basically uh, like life that needs to consume other things. Mm, okay. Part. And then things like autotrophic life, which like consume um, or can transform light and and photosynthesize, synthesize and create their own. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, so things that also create byproducts mm-hmm. like like through consumption, creating things like trash. Yeah, and like what that looks like on a biological level, um, which can be like a, yeast can also create certain um, toxins. So kind of looking at yeast and the way it's metabolized in creating like, yeah, toxic things, but then also things that can be worked through.
0: Yeah. And I feel like the title kind of like hints at that for me, like rat, plastic, wood, like rat and wood are two things that like would be here if settlers weren't here anyways. Oh, actually, maybe not rats. Are rats indigenous to North America? Question mark. There's different types of rats.
1: Canadian rats.
0: (laughs) Um, but, like, plastic is kind of, like, this interruption for me, so it was really interesting to, like, have something that doesn't degrade within and, like, acting as an insulator was, like, maybe that's what makes it eerie, too, knowing that, like, some parts of your exhibition will, like, melt away and then, like, this plastic will be there kind of forever.
1: Yeah, um, that, that is something that, that I like, that tension between, um, different kind of time scales. Mm. um so yeah a lot of the things yeah are actively changing right in front of you whereas other aspects of it have this sort of sense of of permanence Mm -hmm. Um, but those things also aren't permanent like they're also actively changing in front of you just on an incredibly slow time scale
0: and it's so funny to use like wall studs and like house building as well i feel like being a settler here i think i look at the houses a lot as like proof of settlement Mm. like i'll look around and be like why does this look like england oh yeah (laughs) why are there all these roman catholic churches here oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) so like building is very like a settler activity so for you to flip it and like to incorporate like fermentation almost like want this to decompose Mm -hmm. is that like the kind of way you're approaching it
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I haven't, um, I haven't done anything to preserve the wood on the inside or coat it with anything. So, uh, like say this, say the basement isn't, isn't going to get redone. This work is here forever. (laughs) Um, it would, it would slowly start to decompose and, and from the things that are actively inside of it. I feel like that would be like the ultimate installation if it just never left,
0: you know. And you close the door, and like it was like a tomb. Yes. Also, the little sign that says like this is art is like the most like this is installed in a space that will have people who don't know what the fuck this is. (laughs) Like it's not in an art school. It's not in a gallery. It's like completely out of (laughs) context.
1: It needs to be specified.
0: Uh, do you feel like it also changed like being in the church how you approached it like you treated it as like less art like more you were able to be more loose with it or do you feel like because you had to set your parameters you were more strict with yourself
1: um that's interesting uh i think I think I was more loose with it, but it also made me like <laughs> more insecure about it which oh, is really interesting yeah. because um to have like to go from The, like, MFA culture of, like, you know, everybody has this assumed knowledge and, like, Mm -hmm. you get really comfortable, like, working within these spaces and, like, having an assumed level of, like, of understanding. Um, Like, for my work, there's, like – like, I've had people at the – even within the university context be, like – but why is this art? <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate question. <laughs> yeah. But, like, within that, I was like, oh, like, how can they not know? But then, um, like, coming into this completely, like, different, different situation. Um, and, it made me feel kind of insecure because I was like, yeah. how do, like, for a large majority of, of like, the people, I mean, I'm speaking um, kind of uh, making some assumptions here because yeah. not everyone from the church here has like seen the work or anything. for sure but i do know from like a small sampling that um that many of the people here mainly like when you say you know there's an art show in the basement it, the assumption is that it's going to be paintings. paintings. <laughs> it's
0: always paintings. i tell people i'm an artist they're like what do you paint i'm like i have never painted in my entire life yeah. i am terrible <laughs> at it <laughs>
1: Yeah, so then having this down there, like, I was just, I was so afraid when I was installing it that people would come and see it, and they would just be like, get this out of here. Like, what, what is happening? You were having literal
0: imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it felt, it, it felt like this impossible task to try and tell people what it was. Yeah. Like, I didn't know how to do it. Also, I mean, having not really talked to most humans for, like, a year and a half yeah like outside of you know pandemic and then just being in art school. I was like how do i how do I engage with with this? But the people who came from the church actually, like they seem to really get it.
0: That's awesome, yeah. I think people, me being a big nerd again, like, um the start of preschool was like, that's what changed uh, contemporary art. Like, that's when how abstraction was actually created. I'll send you the podcast. (laughs) Um, But when we change our education system to, like, tell kids, like, this is art. Like, this is beautiful. Like, you can just paint with colors, and that's legitimate. And I think, like, people are getting to know, like, more and more, like, post-soup cans. Like, people are like, art can be anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many people know about (laughs) soup cans (laughs) from the congregation here either. But... (sighs) But, yeah, oh. I think, thankfully, yeah, like, a lot of people were, just came in, like, very, very willing to, like, be, be, like, curious. Mm. And I think that curiosity has a lot to do with it. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. So I don't feel like an imposter anymore. But it was an interesting <laughs> feeling originally to be, like, <laughs> yeah, just because, yeah, they didn't know what I was doing down there when I started. They just thought it was art. Is (laughs) it going to be up on the church's website
0: or anything? Like, do they have any documentation or, like, do they want documentation?
1: We haven't really discussed it.
0: I feel like it'd be cute to, like, save them a postcard or something, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do that. (laughs) I'm just thinking, like, when a gallery or if somebody even has it in their garage, like, usually that person is, like, again, this idea of pedigree, like, this is shown here before. But I think your work is so... Not, like, bizarre, but definitely, like, very far away from painting. Um, <laughs> uh, but, like, it's amazing to see that, like, people from the church did come and see it and, like, they're, they're, they value it and they're curious about it. Um, so I think it'd be cool, like, 20 years from now for church people to be, like, and then remember when this thing was installed in our basement?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, have it become, like, part of the, yeah, like, the online archive of yeah. the church. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, don't, I was just curious if they were thinking about like letting other artists even come into the basement, or you think this is going to be like a one-time thing? And like, obviously, it's very generous for them to give you the basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I think I think it might be more along the lines of a one-time thing. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily, but I know they have they have like plans for this building. Mm. Uh, cool. So,
0: it's a good building. Like, yeah, I very much <laughs> would love to perform in here. Every time I like go into like an empty mall, like that's yeah. where I want to perform and this has very empty mall vibes. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I think
0: it would be very cool if they opened it up. Maybe like another like artist in the congregation will be like, so you let this person do this. Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Hopping the Fence a podcast dedicated to the fringes of the Canadian art scene. If you have an artist you would like to hear interviewed, would like to correct slash fact check a past episode, or would just like to chat, feel free to send me a message on Instagram at hoppingthefence or by email at rebeccaecasolino at gmail.com. Thank you to all of our patrons for your ongoing support. It truly does help me avoid burnout and keeps this podcast rolling. If you would like to support Hopping the Fence, please visit our Patreon to subscribe. Check out the show notes for more details. If you can't donate, no worries. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Audio editing for Hopping the Fence by Emily Reimer. Original artwork by Alex Gregory. And original music by Jessica Price Eisner. Transcription for Hopping the Fence by Jessica Price Eisner. Thank you so much, bye.